Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore personal finance topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of money. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome to the Compass Catholic Podcast. This is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas. And today we are so blessed to have our guest, Tony Vicinda, here today. And it's gonna, we're going to be covering one of my favorite topics, which is entrepreneurship. Um, I love this topic. I think it's so much fun because entrepreneurs have a unique opportunity to marry their passions with their professional careers and do it in a really creative way. And Tony, I'm so blessed that you're here today because you have done it in a way that also integrates your, your faith life. Uh, yeah, it's such an honor to be here. Um, I am, uh, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I started out as somebody who was doing uh, ministry at a parish and then my business just kind of grew and grew and grew and eventually became what I was doing full time. Actually, just pretty recently, uh, but entrepreneurship is one of my uh, favorite topics as a parish uh, consultant and as a parish minister for years. One of the things that I kind of bemoaned was a lack of an entrepreneurial spirit within the life of a parish. Um, but I also think it's something that just in the life of a disciple, um, being able to think through that kind of creative and passionate lens that an entrepreneur tends to have to live in is incredibly important. So I'm excited to talk about it also. I love it. And so do you mind giving our listeners an idea about what kind of businesses you are in. Yeah, um, I think if you go to my, my website, it says something like, um, Tony is an, an ideator, an entrepreneur, and a missionary who lives um, in the, the side streets and back alleys of Philadelphia and the internet. Um, so I, uh, I do a number of different things, and um, whether I do any of them well or whether I do too many of them, uh, the answer to those <laughs> Uh, is yes, um, and the person who reminds me of that constantly is my wife. And so um, I uh, make beer bombs that bomb emotion bars that are inspired by the Catholic tradition through um, a company called Catholic Bomb Co. Um, we really want everybody to just live everyday holiness and be reminded of our baptismal promises every single day. So that's uh, the missional focus there. And then um, I had founded and stepped back recently from a ministry called Project YM, which just helps youth ministers know that they're loved and supported. And I still help out in an advisory capacity uh, with that. It's a phenomenal ministry that just partnered with a non-for-profit out of Texas called Ablaze, a phenomenal grouping of ministries. Um, it's been a number of years in parish ministry, but recently left to start something called the House of Broken Loaves, which is our newest project um, and really is what I would call in the incarnation phase right now. You know, whenever you launch something, especially when you're an entrepreneur, there's a tendency to run a rush and say, this is everything this is going to be. And we did that. Um, and the reality of life uh, especially when you're living missionally, sometimes is way slower than that. And especially when you want to reach neighborhoods with the gospel, you're supposed to your neighborhood, uh, which is what we want to do. Uh, that goes even slower than that because the first thing you have to do is really incarnate to be to be in that place, to get to know people, to love people, to love the city that you're in. Uh, and we moved across the country from Seattle to Philadelphia to start the House of Broken Loads. Um, on top of that, I have another thing that I do. I do... Um, uh, game design. So I've designed a couple games. Uh, one of them just recently funded on Kickstarter earlier this year. Um, just went to print and will be out on shelves. Um, well, shelves is probably a broad term. It'll be on a couple of shelves, mostly in homes. Uh, soon it's a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, and then we have another game that we're working on for next year also that is a uh, improv brand building game that we actually designed a couple years ago, took to Kickstarter, failed, and came back. So game design is another fun thing that I do, uh, along with content creation for all of that stuff also too. So just a few things uh, that I do uh, in, a, in a couple of different ways. It sounds like you are just so creative and that's so amazing. I, I can't imagine juggling all of that stuff. I can barely be creative in one aspect, much less all of those things. And even just looking at your websites, it's so cool and and very um, eye-catching. I know there's a specific word for that, but it's very eye-catching. And um, yeah, that's just so awesome. So thank you for sharing those gifts with the world because um, those are pretty awesome gifts that you have. Oh, thank you guys so much. Yeah. So we are very excited to hear about, um, so you are very much entrepreneur and very much missionary. So those are two 
not opposites, but can be seen as opposites, I guess. So can you kind of tell us how you have braided those together so uniquely and so wonderfully? Um, yeah, it varies depending on the project. I, I can't imagine um, waking up in the morning and doing work that I'm not passionate about. Um, I, I've always been good at sales. I used to work uh, in coffee shops. Um, and my, my wife used to, I like our, our coffee shops, the shops I was in would always like lead in sales for our region. Um, I would always lead in sales at our store. Uh, I would sell machines, beans, anything. Anytime somebody came in, I was pretty much constantly upselling them things, but I loved the work that I did. And I, I really was always in the mode of saying like, Hey, I really love these things. I want to share them with customers. Mm -hmm. I want to share the passion I have with them. Uh, my wife always just thought like, Hey, you must be really good. Uh, at sales, you should just go be a salesman. You can make a ton of money. And I said, you know, I, it really wouldn't work. Like I've even tried a couple of other sales jobs that potentially were going to be higher earners, higher income. And unless I absolutely love the thing that I'm selling, unless I'm passionate about um, what it is, it's really hard for me to think about waking up in the morning and trying to get other people to buy into whatever whatever it happens to be. And so um, I'm I'm somebody who. Like that's that's a central part uh, to how I'm wired is that I need that passion. And you know, when I was 16 years old, I felt a call very strongly um, from God into ministry during this really kind of profound encounter moment. And all I knew from that moment um, is that uh, God wanted me to help young people. Uh, encounter him in a new way. So I started out in youth ministry. Um, and as much as people may think it's easy to wake up every day as a as a parish minister and just uh, love what you do, it's it's actually not a lot of the time, which led me uh, kind of into my first attempt to do entrepreneurial work, which was saying like I was having a lot of success as a youth minister. The program was growing. Uh, young people weren't coming to know Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, other people were asking me, "Hey, can you come? Can you come help me do this at my parish? Can you come, you know, give a talk? Can you do this?" And so, um, we started a, a ministry that just really helped uh, youth ministers do that. And it, it started off small, and originally we were running retreats and doing some consulting, and uh, we would do what I would call like. Um, not even event planning, but event architecture. Like we would come in and try to help them figure out how to do events better and how to how to build in really intentionally what essential elements need to be in place to help the spirit move fruitfully, which is kind of a, a misnomer. It's really hard to kind of identify exactly what that means because the Holy Spirit moves when the Holy Spirit wants to, but there are certainly ways that we dispose ourselves and can help dispose others. And so it was about removing those roadblock blocks and creating opportunities. Um, for people to be able to do that. Um, I'm a big fan of play. It's one of the reasons that I, I'm in game design. And so a lot of those things were, were very much designed as like social games and other things like that, along with deep and intensive prayer experiences. Um, it was a lot of fun and it just it grew and grew and grew. And it eventually became uh, a ministry called Project YM that serves youth ministers all over the globe now. Um, and um, in the middle of that, I was still working at parishes. Uh, I still loved being able to work directly with people. I actually got out of parish ministry to do Project YM full-time. And I realized like one of the things I love, as heartbreaking as parish ministry could be, is the ongoing development of just walking with people. And that you know, when you're going into a parish and coming out, even if you work with the same parish over and over again, that wasn't that wasn't there. And so for me, um, you know, the the concept of entrepreneurial mindset, how we do things better, how we take an, an idea or discover an idea and then drive that into action has always been rooted in, in how I did ministry. And so for me, it's just kind of seems like a fusion. Like it, you have to kind of have that missional aspect. And I think, you know, when we look at things like Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, um, when we look at a lot of the different leadership theory that comes out nowadays and a lot of the organizational health stuff, knowing your purpose is so core to the entrepreneurial mm -hmm. mindset. Like if you don't know what your purpose is and what your differentiating factors are, like you're dead as an entrepreneur. And I would say it's the same thing in ministry. Like Christ comes and proposes an essential reality of who he is to us to, to help redeem us. Um, and he also, within that, helps us um, and the church become differentiated. As, as new gifts are added to the body of Christ, as new people come into faith, um, that actually builds us into something more unique, not more alike. Um, and so at the very root of who we are as Catholics, uh, for me, that, that entrepreneurial and missional mindset kind of have to work in fusion. And hmm. I think we see the church be healthy when it does. I think we see the church fail and flounder when it doesn't. And the same thing is true for a business. It's business flounder when they don't know those things and um, they succeed when they do. So I'm wondering, because being a creative person and having the entrepreneurial mindset 
you're probably always generating ideas, right? You're probably someone who's more receptive to um, looking for areas where there's a need and you can fill that need with, you know, uh, fill that gap with a creative idea that you've come up with. How do you know when that light bulb moment is worth the investment of time and money and everything else? Um, And I ask that as, as a parent, because when I get excited about something, my husband quickly reminds me that we have four kids and, you know, so it's, it's more of a risk, don't you think, as a parent? Or do you think that's something that gets you more uh, excited about? I think everything's a little bit more risk as a parent. I also think mm-hmm. I'll be very transparent. And this is not to call out. This is to call out myself, not your husband. Let's be very clear with that. <laughs> um, it's really easy when men want to pursue a passion for them to just go follow it. Like they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. They just go do it. Um, and it's really oftentimes hard for a mom to be given that same latitude or that same permission. And it's definitely, I think, a failing in uh, in a lot of the way that we approach entrepreneurship today. And it certainly was an issue in my family, uh, my household, uh, with me and my wife. Like, I was pursuing things. I was doing things. And, and I just assumed, like, my wife, if she wanted to pursue something, would just do it. Like, that she didn't necessarily feel like I needed to give her permission because I don't, I mean, she certainly does, yeah. does it nowadays. Uh, like we've, we've definitely matured and grown over 17 years of marriage um, beyond that. Like we check, like she wants to check in with me. She wants to make sure I'm on board, but I'm not always good about giving that endorsement and support uh, in the same way that she is for me when I'm passionate about something. There can definitely be an imbalance there that has to be like searched out in the complementary reality of the sacramental graces of every individual's families, like household. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of families where the dad is the best person to stay at home and the mom should be the one out uh, doing it. I know that families where both parents uh, have to work and there's a, a way that they manage the schedule around that to make sure the kids are, are cared for and nurtured by mom and dad. That has to be determined by the family. Um, uh, I I don't think the church strictly proposes one of those things or the other. That was a, a total aside and doesn't really uh, answer your question, but I do think is it's kind of really important to start with. Um, I think when you're early on, time, the way, way more finite resources is the easiest thing to give. Like money is usually the harder choice early on. Like um, saying, I'm going to spend a couple hours every night, you know, staying up late and working on this project or, you know, hey, will you watch the kids while I go do X or can we get somebody to, you know, uh, babysit while we both go do, you know, what, whatever this is. I think those time pieces are easy to give early on. But at a certain point, you kind of hit that money choice. Like how much money do we want to sink into this? Because if we sink money into this, we can basically get some of our time back. Um, and we've gone through that numerous times as a family, especially with uh, Catholic Balm Co., which I didn't even get to in my, in my Who I Am. Um, we run a beard balm, lip balm, and lotion bar company where all the products are inspired by the Catholic tradition. It actually grew out of the Catholic youth ministry stuff is just like, hey, we're going to sell some of this stuff to, to offset the cost of events we're doing and support the ministry like other people would sell T-shirts. Um, I created a beard bomb company. I don't know. Um, and, and numerous times we've had to kind of make that call. Initially, it was, hey, we're, you know, I'm going to sell these and we printed out some labels and, you know, we're selling like 30 bucks a week. So we'll just like hand label it and ship it out the door. And then one of my coworkers made us a website, a sales funnel, and we pumped some ad money into Facebook ads and went from selling $50 a week to selling $5,000 on a weekend um, and didn't know how to manage that. We're still hand labeling everything. Uh, my wife was the one who was managing the shipping and everything. We didn't have a shipping system in place. Mm-hmm. And um, there have just been a lot of times where she's been like, shut it all down. I don't care. Like, I don't care if who, who can't who can't get paid or who can't eat. Like, we can't handle this. Um and I've, again, not always, <laughs> I've never been good about, about responding to that. Like we've shifted things around and made things work and made improvements, but we had to consistently buy our time back. Mm. Um, you know, we just, for the first time ever, moved everything except for production out of the house. So everything she used to have to oversee, um, we just moved it all out of house to a, a fulfillment partner who I love working with, solid Catholic family, amazing community. But basically added three people to our staff uh, through that. And, uh, and freed up two and a half rooms in our house. Uh, and during the holiday season, we don't have to be bombarded by consistently shipping out packages. That choice was about getting time back. Like mm-hmm. I, lose, I, lose a, I lose 15% of my company's income every single month to them doing that. Now, that much money, like in all honesty, is not what the three people I gained on my staff are worth, right? So like they're, they're, they've got numerous clients who help them do all the amazing things that they do. Um, but for us... 
the amount of mental health we were able to buy back. So early on, it's usually time. Then you've got to make those money choices. Then eventually you come back around to saying like, look, we can always make more money. We're not always going to have more time. We're not always going to have more space. How do we do that? So there's so much of that that's situational and goes back to prudent discernment um, that it's really hard to just say. Um, I think you've got to fig- feel, figure out where the stressor is at that point in time, right? Like, um, am I feeling like rushed? Am I feeling like we don't have enough time? Um, if that's the case, you may want to pour a little bit more money in to figure out how you can offset some of the time costs that you're putting into it. That may be hiring a virtual assistant or an actual assistant if you're doing really well. Um, it may be going to a fulfillment partner or outsourcing a certain part that you don't feel tied to making yourself. Um, it may be looking at supply chain issues. There's all kinds of things that you can do um, to say, hey, who, how are we going to invest some money in this to really move it forward? It could be equipment, any other any other number of things. And at a certain point, even from that, you've got to say, okay, we may have a ton of, tons, of, tons of money coming in right now. So now we want to get some of our time back and we want to give up some of that money in order to do it. And that's, that's the choice that we made when we moved over to Philadelphia um, was to do that. So, you know, I run Catholic Ball but really that's you know on a busy day that's about three hours um you know on a, on a, like on a, during the holiday season it'll be much more like mm-hmm. i mean making beard balm constantly and we'll be shipping things out to harrisburg on a regular basis but um the reality is you know an hour to two hours every day is about how much i work on that main project that's my full-time job and so it leaves us the freedom to have time as a family like i cook dinner most nights um my wife doesn't have to work outside the home and it's been a huge blessing on all of us to be able to reset. And I say that having gone from doing that, working at Project YM part-time and working a full-time position at a parish a year and a half ago. So, like, there was a huge intentional choice to buy back that time. Mm. Um, but we're also not going to be able to buy back the years that we missed we, that we missed as a family with my kids also, too. So, again, you've got to weigh all those stressors. I'm so intrigued. And I have so many questions I want to ask you, but I'll start with a few. <laughs> um, so. Obviously, you said you're married, you have kids. You were creative before you had married, you were married and had kids. So I'm curious, like how you shifted all of that energy and focus from I'm a single man doing all this on my own to now I have other people to take care of. Like there had to have been a shift, I'm assuming, because you're taking risks, right? And in the beginning, when you're single, it's just you and your money. But now it's me, my wife, and my kids, and I have to supply for them. So like how did like how did that shift look like? Yeah, for clarification, I did get I started dating my wife when I was 19 we got married when i was 20 got our first kid when i was 21 i mean so so when we say i was single and only had my own money it was way less money and it was a very (laughs) period of time okay Um, fair enough (laughs) uh so i i I just want to clarify because i'm not necessarily the best person to speak to what it might be to be a a 28 year old who has you know a a five or six figure salary um, managing any of those types of things right that's not that's never who i was um and so, um, you know, I went from having roommates to having to being married and having having other one, roommates, you know, right? And then, <laughs> and then actually, we we even had people who lived with us for the first couple of years we were married. That's something we've kind of always done as a household is have an open house if somebody needs a a better place to stay. So, um, you know, so it's it's hard because it's it's I don't I, I've never lived in that space like yeah. and I have attachment to things that I have to watch out for. I don't have a, a lot of attachment to money. Like to me, um, mm-hmm. I could always live with just enough money to not have anxiety. Like, um, uh, which I know what that amount is uh, because I manage everything myself, right? I know how much money, like when anxiety creeps in on a given month, um, if like from a business standpoint, because then I know how much, like how tight we're going to be on any given thing. Um, I know how all that that operates within me. And so it's a little bit easier to work at. Um, one of my best friends, um, he's a priest up in Seattle. And he was like, at one point he was like, you just don't have anxiety around money. I was like, oh, I have crippling anxiety around money. Um, but I don't have a crippling anxiety around like, do I have enough money? I have a crippling anxiety around like, can I pay the rent? Can we afford groceries? Like um, now, but I do love things. Like I love buying things and I love having cool things. And I don't need a lot of things, but I do like having like nice things um and not particularly like i need the finest linens but we were talking about like my my microphone setup and other stuff like that which is business expenses but i've put money into it because it's something that i want to make sure when i'm having a conversation with somebody when i'm on a call or anything like that that it's um it's easy to handle that everything sounds good everything works well um so there's a there's a kind of a focus on for lack of a better term like excellence within that but um 
But the reality is like, I've never been super tied up around money. I do like to make enough money so that I don't have anxiety. And it's, it's actually kind of nice to know what those numbers are. Um, like, you know, what are those numbers that, um, whether it's from a paycheck, from your own business, whatever, that just like, are like, all right, well, I'm not anxious if I have that much money coming in every single month. Like that keeps me free from anxiety. Like for me, that's the only target we <laughs> think I'm interested in financially is like, um, no anxiety amount and then like giving other people money amount. Like those are the two things that I track. Oh, I love that. And you know, your numbers, right? Like, you know what that number, that threshold is before you start getting nervous, which I feel like so many people just don't sure. know. They, they have the, the ostrich, you know, head in the sand kind of mentality. And then they're always stressed out all the time. And, you know, just knowing your numbers a little bit, knowing where that threshold is, is so helpful. And I'm also wondering so you have your businesses um, and you are missional and you bring in things that are uniquely Catholic. And, and I just, I love the whole beer, the beer bomb thing. That's just the coolest thing. Um, but how do you stay on target with being missional, staying authentically Catholic and still being a business that's growing and sustainable? Mm. Have you ever experienced those things being in conflict or has that always been something that's been part of your plan and, you haven't had an issue with. I think those things are always in conflict. I think they should always be in conflict. Um, so I'm going to one of my friends who uh, he's one of the guys who runs Catholic creatives about this on a podcast at one point mm -hmm. in time. And, you know, one of the things I was telling him was sometimes we have to challenge ourselves with the amount of pride and vanity that comes from not having money um, or paying ourselves poorly when we're when we have a thriving business like when we have extra money that we aren't able to rejoice in the fruits of those things um and sometimes that comes from a sense of like i've got to be missional with this like god's blessed me with like a thousand extra bucks this month like what am i what am i doing for other people with that money which is is actually absolutely the amount we want to have like the, the mindset we want to have is how am i how am i using this money to bless others uh but if we're doing it from a standpoint of pride or vanity, then it's actually destructive spiritually also too. So actually sometimes it's like, okay, like sometimes that other person is my wife because she has wanted to buy a new like washer or dryer or like, you know, my kids um, like have been asking me for an upgrade to their, um, their art. Like all my kids are artists, like to their art supplies for the last little bit. Uh, and, and how can we do that in order to improve the household in order to make things work better for them? I'm um, like, sometimes that's the question, right? It's not necessarily selfish. Um, but it's, it's saying, look, if I'm just super proud of the fact that I've always given this money away, that I can't give this money away, then maybe I really should examine whether or not I'm doing that because it's the good thing to do and because it's what I'm called to, or whether I'm doing it from a sense of pride. It doesn't mean God's not doing good with that money or that good isn't happening with it. But the question is like, what is that doing in my heart? Hmm. Um, is there something else for my family um, that I should be doing with that money to invest just in my household um, or in another project or anything else like that? And it, it's a little bit different when you're like an omnipreneur, when you like run numerous projects. Um, and because um, sometimes it's like, well, I could take that thousand dollars and put it over here into this other project and and beef it up and let it go further and see what that money could do, um, you know, over here. You know, that's something that, that I have to consider from time to time, uh, depending on where where the income source comes from. And so um, there are some of those different choices that we have to make. Um, but for me, it, it also goes back to also thinking about what does that money do again with my time? Like, does it free me up to be able to say, OK, now that I have, you know, um, you know, six extra hours a day to work with, uh, how am I actually taking care of my neighbor? Not like my ideological or theoretical neighbor, but for us, like how am I taking care of the actual person who lives across the street uh, next door to me, a couple houses down a few streets away? How am I taking care of my neighborhood? Like, am I going out and spending time with those people? Do I know what their needs are? If I'm feeding the homeless, um, it's one thing to write a check, like, you know, and put it in the mail and send it off to a, an organization that feeds people in the third world, which is, which is great. Like, um, it's and as Catholics, we are constantly called to do. But it's another thing to actually like put on my shoes, walk to the grocery store, buy food, walk around in my neighborhood downtown or downtown and feed the hungry and the homeless right here. Or, you know, pay for a few people to have a shelter that night and make sure that they actually get to the place that they need to go. Um, and, you know, there's risks there. Like, obviously, if you're, if you're a big, like, 300-pound dude, like, it's really easy to go pick those people up and take them where you need to go. Sometimes if you're not that person, it may not be as easy to do that from a safety standpoint, but considering what we're doing locally in our neighborhood, 
giving ourselves time to do that, giving ourselves bandwidth financially and emotionally to do that is actually really, really important. And I would say like, as much as I do care about and have cons consistently supported foreign missions, I've always been far more driven by like, hey, that's great. But if, if we're driving past mm. like 30 homeless people on the way to the food bank, like why? Like, you know, like not even going international, but like if uh, in the parish I was at in a wealthy suburb of Seattle, people always wanted to go feed the homeless in downtown Seattle, uh, but they never wanted to deal with the uh, the homeless, especially the drug addicted homeless, which we had a lot of in our area, um, who were surrounding our parish. And it was kind of a like, when you, when you would bring it up, it would be like, oh, like, are there homeless nearby? I'm like, yeah, like at the, at the grocery store where I've seen you shopping numerous times, there's like six of them always outside, like have you considered how you're helping and supporting those individuals? And so um, it's, it can be a really challenging thing to not have the bandwidth or not have that, the perspective to, to look at some of those kind of things. Love that. Yeah. We're called to steward our time, talent and treasure. And if we go all into one and have none of the other, right. um, it's an interesting balance. And I always tell people like from a parish stewardship standpoint, you can get up there and ask for money all you want and people are going to give you what they're going to give you. No impassioned plea will probably shift the hearts of the individual who are writing the checks. Like good follow-up, good follow-through. That's great. The number one thing I'm always interested in when it comes to stewardship, which parish administrators don't care about. I mean, there are good parish administrators out there, but by and large, and the ones that I have worked with uh, as an anecdotal sampling um, is time. Like if you can get somebody involved in coming in to pray more, to be part of a ministry, uh, to be present to other people, um, then you can start to discern, hey, like if you've got this time, uh, like what are the talents and the skills that you've been given? How can we put them to work in specific ministries, not just the ministries that need warm bodies? Um, and then after that, once they're involved, once they're invested with their time and their talents, they become better givers. Like, because all of a sudden they go, well, why don't we have this? Why don't we do this? Oh, well, like, you know, we only have this much in the budget. Oh, well, like I can cover that. Great. Like, but here's the thing, like you can cover it or just like put the money in your, in the, in the collection plate on Sundays. Like, and I'll talk to, you know, um, you know, the administrator about making sure we get some extra funds set aside for that, or just, you know, earmark that you put in an extra 20 bucks a, a month for this thing specifically. Don't, don't get a ton into earmarking your stuff. Parishes hate that. And it really is counterproductive, but like, it's a good thing to say, I care about this and I'm going to put some money forward for this, but it always starts by getting people to actually give time. I'm honestly so inspired by you right now. Like just everything you're saying and just the way that you obviously the way you speak about that you live your life, it, it's very um, unique and inspiring. And I'm just, I'm curious, um, like what, maybe not what was your upbringing, but how did you get to the point where you are now? You're um, you know, you have a strong faith and it, it seems like you're very active in your faith and I'm sure that didn't happen overnight. I'm just curious, like how did, what were your inspirations that make you want to give and make you want to be creative and make you want to live the way, live the way that you live? Yeah, sure. Let me clarify first. I still argue with my kids regularly. <laughs> Sometimes we scream. Uh, I still argue with my wife. Uh, like our marriage is constantly dependent on the sacramental graces that we receive um, and our, our mutual love for each other, but it's not perfect. Uh, and my prayer life is horrible sometimes. Like, let me, let's, let's start with all those things, right? Because I think it's really easy to get a snapshot of somebody's life or like, let's talk about all the good things we're doing. And then what we do is we talk about all the good things. And somebody's like, I could never do that. Like, I am uh, I am really bad at a lot of things. I actually, when you guys were like, I want to talk about financial stuff. Like, I constantly feel overwhelmed and bad at financially managing, like my resources. I'm hor like I'm not. I'm a, I'm a big picture guy. I'm an idea guy. I'm not. I'm not good at that part of things. And I know that about myself. So it was very. Like I was telling like um, one of my team members and then uh, my wife about it, and they, they, we were all laughing, right? Um, like uh, the. So I just want to. I want to start with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for anybody who's who's watching out there, um, the the reality is, uh, I grew up uh, cradle Catholic. Uh, I was baptized. Um, I was the first person baptized um, at St. Jude Catholic Church in Allen, Texas, about uh, eighteen months after the parish opened at Easter Vigil. Um, I grew up in a uh, in Texas, just north of the city. In a, place called Allen. Um, Allen's 
major claim to fame is that it built a huge mega football stadium a few years ago that the foundation cracked within a couple of years of them building it. And it cost $90 million uh, to fix the support beams, um, which is just a portion of what it costs to build the near professional level stadium uh, in that high school. So um, like a true Texas town, um, went to St. Jude Catholic Church uh, growing up, uh, was well-formed, uh, went, did, uh, did faith formation from uh, pre-K um, all the way through youth ministry. Um, when I was 16, I had a really transformational encounter with Christ and the Holy Spirit, uh, even though I was very active in my faith before that point. Uh, the number one thing I received from my church as a kid, my parish as a kid, was that um, I knew it was a place where the adults there cared about me and loved me, like, which I thought was normal. And that was everyone's experience of my parents. It wasn't, uh, and it's not everybody's experience of church, uh, unfortunately. Um, like I said, during that transformational encounter, that kind of led me into youth ministry. So I went straight from being a youth to being an intern at a parish program, um, wanting to pursue ministry. I uh, did my uh, did undergrad work in the uh, in the humanities and philosophy. Um, and then uh, had gotten into parish ministry and was married by the time I was 21 and had my own kids. The biggest time I had to decide, uh, am I going to go to church this Sunday or not, um, for, for one reason or the other, uh, was when I left my first parish ministry job um, in, a, in a kind of rage quitty, quitty, quitty way. Um, and like for the first time ever, I didn't have to go... Mm-hmm. To church. I mean, I'd never had to go, right? Like I always wanted to go, but it was ever first. It was ever a question of like, man, is going to mass this Sunday emotionally what's most healthy for me? Mm. Um, like I'm in, a, I'm in a really hurt place right now. Um, it may not have been a bad idea to basically ask for dispensation for two weeks, but I don't know who I would have asked at that. Point <laughs> um, and uh, and um, but that was the first time ever, right? And the second the second time ever was uh, when when like quarantine started. Um, yeah. And again, that's never been a, I have to go to mass. I feel like God is watching me or anything else like that. It's never been motivation. But I was 17 before I asked my mom or dad, like, if I didn't want to go to mass on Sunday. What would happen? They were like, yeah, you just wouldn't do anything else that week. And I was like, oh, okay, like, that's fine. That's fine. They're like, do you not want to? I was like, no, I was just curious. Like I, I just never occurred to me to not, not go to mass. Um, even my kids, like they liked going to a different mass. Um, we lived in Seattle than we did because my wife doesn't like to wake up early. So they would w- get up, they would walk the mile to church and we would see them at coffee and donuts after the nine o'clock mass. And we would go to the 11 o'clock mass. It's my older two. Um, and, uh, and that was it. Like, you know, so, um, it's always just been a, a consistent practice of the faith. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's a very kind of blase big picture answer. Um, that, that ink, that, that love that I experienced as a child, Right. Um, the willingness to embrace my gifts, um, even from the time I was in middle school and high school, at my parish was another huge thing that, that bound me to parish life. Um, that encounter with Christ and and the clarity of mission that he gave me around what he wanted from me, that was kind of one of the other ceiling, major ceiling factors. And even within that pathway, like there's always this process of prayer and discernment about uh, what are you calling me to next? How are you calling me to do this? Um, what do you want from me? And there's not always clarity. So the move to Seattle, um, you know, we had some people who made some big invitations for us to just come move across the country. We prayed about it. Um, there were a lot of things that, you know, were pointing that way. And I needed, like, I was, we had tons of consolation around coming here, uh, but I wasn't getting desolation around, like, mm. I'm staying at my parish. So I was like, God, I need you to, like, show me, if you want me to move, like, show me that I'm not the person. This, this isn't where you want me anymore because I need you to do something to move me out of this space. And he he was pretty faithful in, in helping me kind of perceive uh, why he wanted me to move on and what was why that was the best choice for my family as well as for the parish. Um, and so there's kind of this ongoing process. But we got here, and a lot of the people who invited us, um, they lost their jobs. They got moved away. They got whatever. Uh, but the immediate fruit we were seeing as we moved in around some of the neighboring stuff we wanted to do, around the community, around other people who were connecting with us, uh, it was pretty. It's been pretty pretty powerful. And even though they're like sometimes small moments, you know, getting to know a neighbor. Um, having a conversation with somebody that, that really is an indicator of that. Having, uh, we have a, a young adult who's a team member of ours now who helps manage social media um, who ended up moving in next door because he really loves our family, loves the type of community yeah. we're trying to form. And he eats dinner with us every night. Like, and so as somebody who's trying to form a neighborhood, like missional concept, like it's largely built around table fellowship, having somebody who eats with you 
day in, day out. We had somebody else who is one of my, my best friend, that priest in Seattle. Um, one of his best friends who was lived in New York just moved to our neighborhood of Philadelphia randomly. They're a mile and a half from our house. Came over for dinner the other night. We were eating out on the front porch because it's COVID times. And they were like, this is great. Like, I just am so excited to have people in the area who I know. Um, and, you know, they're a single young adult. And they're like, um, I just wish this was like a, like there was a place where people could just go and be together and hang out and eat dinner whenever they want to do. I was like, oh, yeah, that's our house. Like, um, just come whenever. Now we're also on like quarantine for the next two weeks. She's already oh, wow. twice. And no, like she, she gets it. Like we already told her because my, my parents went down for my son's confirmation. My, my best friend came in from Seattle, which is why she came over also too. Um, but it was like, he came in from Seattle. And she was, he was like, where are you? And she's like, I live in Manioc, which is our, our town. And she's like, oh, and so she lives a mile from us, um, right, like right next to our parish. And so, um, and so it's just like really beautiful things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, around that. Now, we're not just here for other Catholics, like we really want to impact our neighborhood, but we really view that as coming from having a set of passionate Catholics who are on fire for mm -hmm. Like, it's not just that we want to go tell people about Jesus, we do, but the primary thing we want to do is live our lives in a way that make other people say, I want that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that that's the thing that mm -hmm. we're and so, you know, her, her sitting on the porch and saying, like, this is what I want is like, great. Like, that's it. Um, and she's immediately not just like a guest, but somebody who's part of mm -hmm. um, the process of saying, like, how do we live in this beautiful way that attracts people into life in Christ? So, you know. And that's evangelization, isn't it? Like that, yeah. that is what it is. It is, that is. That is a way of evangelizing. A way of evangelizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The church, the church, um, you know, any, any time you use a gift or a charism that you've been given by God um, for his ends. There's a natural evangelizing mm. and healing component to that. Um, I don't care if you're an accountant, an administrator, an evangelist, a teacher, um, you know, a, a business owner. Um, when you use the natural gifts that God has given you and you use them well, other people see that, especially mm. when you do kingdom purposes, other people see that and they notice something different. Um, I mean, I couldn't name you the amount of times that people um, in totally secular context have just asked me, like, what is different about you than mm. Like, what is, like, how come this stuff happens to you and not just to, you know, the, the person down the street? And I was like, well, here's here's what I think, here's what I believe. And I go, <laughs> Okay, that sounds interesting. Like, I want to know more about that, you know. And that builds that builds trust. That helps open people up to curiosity. Um, and I would say, like, I'll, I'll plug it. I'm an interviewer for it. I don't. I mean, I do get paid twenty five dollars when I do an interview, but it's not a huge payday. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever actually asked to get paid for any of the interviews that I did because I don't submit them at the end of the month. Um, uh, called a gifted process through the Catherine of Siena Institute. Hands down, some of the best formation you can get in discerning your own personal charisms and understanding how your charisms can be evangelizing no matter what they are. But the, the, the proper identity of the church is to evangelize. Um, and so when we are the church, well, we do that. And when we're the church poorly, mm. uh, we don't. and that's not to take like charismatic direct proclamation off the table. I think that's super important also, um, but you've got to get people to the point where they're open and receptive to hearing that. And that question of what's different about you is a hundred percent an opportunity to be like, let me tell you about Christ and his Holy Spirit, like his father, like who's a good father. And that it was whatever your relationship is with your own mm. father. Um, it's really, it's really any, any issues you have there are really because he's not like God, not because God is like him. Mm. Uh, and so it's, um, it's one of those things. It's one of the easiest inroads into that conversation. So I have two more questions for you. And I appreciate you giving us your time because I know that, um, I think I told you half hour, but this is wonderful. I don't want to stop. I'm not in a rush. I should have clarified <laughs> at the beginning. I always tell people, and like people who have me on regularly know, like you have Tony Vicenda on the podcast, buckle up because he's going to talk way more than you want him to. Um, and so, All right. So my first question is, what advice would you give to someone else who is thinking of starting a business based on mission and integrating their faith? Yeah, don't call it Catholic, whatever you do. I, I'm going to say that very seriously. Like, um, like we call ourselves Catholic Balm Co. Because, like, our beard balm has a name. Um, it, like, it has it's ha it has a brand name. I've got some right here. It's called Barbados Beard Balm. That is the brand name. Like, every single one of our products and lines has a name. People just called it Catholic Beard Balm. 
Hmm. Right. Like that's all people called it. So like we even bought catholicbeardbalm.com. And then as we were like, okay, well, we're building a brand around this. What do we do now? Like, well, everybody calls it Catholic Beard Bomb. We'll just call it Catholic Bomb Co. Easy peasy. Like, done. Right? Um, it cuts off far more avenues than it creates. Um, hmm. like if you go to our website, there's not a doubt in anyone's mind that we're Catholic when you get there. Like, even if the word Catholic wasn't on it, like, it's very, very clear who we are and what we do. Um, but the amount that we have to spend defending other parts of the Catholic Church or other things that are happening in the Catholic mm. world, that's a part of our name, is problematic. Also, just FYI, you do theoretically need the permission of your local bishop to call yourself a Catholic, whatever. Like, that's just, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, we have never had any problems with that. We're well established now. It's not a big deal. Like, our, our ordinary uh, was totally happy with what we were doing in Seattle. And I do have to meet with our new ordinary. Like I, I met with Shepu and uh, when he was here, but we have a new archbishop now who I need to connect with, right? Um, because we use that title Catholic. That's a responsibility that we have in doing that. And there's responsibilities that come with that. There's also a lot of distractions that come with that. It's also, I would just say, it's lazy branding. <laughs> and so uh, it's considered that. And that's probably not what you're looking for, but from a practical pro tip, that's one of the things I would say. Um, the um, Yeah, so some of the other things I would look at it and say, being Catholic isn't enough. Um, you need to be uh, be excellent at whatever you do. Um, I think it's really tempting to just slap a Catholic label on it and uh, not know that what you're doing is excellent. Now, when I started making beard bump, I made what I thought was excellent. Like, I was messing around with it for me and my friends. Um, the reason we started doing it was because I had uh, wanted to make some non uh, not blessed chrism for use in some classes in the parish. Uh, I wanted to make about an ounce. The amount you can order is enough to make three gallons. So I had a lot left over. And so that's why I was like, I'm going to put some of this in the beard bomb I've been making, take it to a conference along with a couple other scents and we'll sell it as Catholic, you know, beard bomb. It's going to be fun and funny. And it's just like somebody else on a t-shirt, but it's kind of already part of my brand. So, um, but when we got, like, people constantly complimented. And I just thought, oh, like, these people just don't know what they're talking about. But, like, we've been on, like, BuzzFeed listicles and other stuff like those, like, whatever. But, like, against major secular brands as one of the top five brands. Like, we'll consistently make top two or three, you know, uh, brand lists or, or bomb lists from people who are secular reviewers. And it's a really cool thing to actually have a brand that is excellent, that is focused on excellence, that is has developed an excellent product, um, where, like, people who are not Catholic are happy to use our product. Um, we yeah. have and atheists and other people um, who will who will use our product. And the best thing for us, like we're constantly exposing them to a little bit about uh, aspects of the faith uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, and so um, focus first on excellence, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do I have an excellent thing that I want to do? Do I have an idea that is unique? Or am I just looking to make a derivative Catholic something? If you're just looking to make a derivative Catholic something, like do the world and the church a favor pass, I can figure out the way, the best way to use your gifts in a fruitful manner. Um, but if you've got an excellent thing and, and you've got you've got a clear vision for how you want to bring that forward, um, I would say you know, again after that is you know um, really honing in on what is your why. Like um, because Catholic Bombto evolved out of another ministry, um, we had to really sit back and figure out like okay, what is the unique value proposition? What have people responded to about what we're doing? Uh, so so powerfully beyond just this prism centered in. Catholics love that. Like, what are the stories that we get from this? How do we, the feedback we get, um, even the negative feedback, like the critiques, what are those telling us about what people perceive? And that really led us to, like, we want people to live every day holy. Like, we want people to wake up in the morning and have a reminder of their baptismal calling. We want, mm -hmm. as people put on, like, insect repellent, like, which we started making a bug bomb, like, them to have a little prayer that they can say over their child asking for the intercession of a saint um, and for God's protection on them, as well as just like making the natural thing. And, and we're very clear, like we never propose like, hey, there's a, or there are companies out there that are like, we put Lord's water in our product or we put like holy water in it. And I'm like, but but once you've sold it, like that doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, it's potentially the son of simony um, and it also eliminates whatever blessing you would have given. Um, like, make, that's why like making a good thing is important. But, but praying, like praying is effective. And so, like, saying, like, here's a prayer. Like, you may not know who St. Protestant is, right? Like, mm. you know, saying against insects, and here's a little prayer 
asking him to intercede for you to Christ and asking for his blessing. Like, pray that, like, while you're putting this on your kid, because that's going to be beneficial no matter what, <laughs> you know? Um, and so for us, it's, it's how are we telling the story of faith? Um, how are we helping people, um, you know, really encounter new aspects of the faith? And how are we reminding them of that, that of the holiness of them and of the saints? Um, in every little thing that they do that we touch. And so, you know, that's something that we, it took a long time for us to, I mean, a long time, three years for us to really identify. That's what we want. That's what we're called to. We're not just somebody who supports other ministries, but we do we do, do that. Um, we're somebody who wants people to live holiness um, and understand the deeply human reality around living holiness. You know, there's not a lot of companies that are like, hey, when you're putting on deodorant in the morning, you can be reminded of how holy you are. Like, I mean, you know, um, that's something that that we feel really strongly about and we want to be an essential part of who we are. Okay, you're letting the divine hit daily products. Like, beautiful. I love that. That's so cool. Um, so my last question is, my husband's military. He's never grown a beard. And they'll have, like, Mustache March or Movember. And about three weeks in, Moms will grab their kids away from him at the park because he looks not. <laughs> what advice do you have for him? When he gets out of the military, he decides he wants to grow a beard. Suffer for Christ, right? Um, no, if you're, if, yeah. So if you're out of the, if you're out of the military, like it's one of the things. Like it'll come up. People will be like, I like, I want my husband to grow a beard. And they'll like tag him and we're like, do it. And he's like, he's like, I can't. And we're like, you can, do it. He's like, no, I'm in the military. And we're like, oh, well, like, thank you for your yeah, support. No. I just can't. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, uh, if somebody wants to grow a beard, the biggest thing is just to start, stop shaving. Like, that's always number one. Um, and people are surprised at how effective of a method that is, but really that's it. Um, now, people might be like patchy or irregular. Time will take care of most of that. Some of it's genetics and there's nothing we can do about it. Like, if you don't, if you don't grow hair somewhere, you won't grow hair there. Um, however, they're actually like, um, we're, we're working on a growth serum right now. Our, our neighbor, uh, Tristan, the one I mentioned earlier, he's, um, he's going to, He's going to test it because he does not grow a beard all over. Um, and so um, there's some of that, but um, there's there's two types of hair. There's vellus hair and there's terminus hair. Vellus hair is like the soft peach fuzzy kind that your kids have on their cheeks, right, when they're, right. they're itty bitty. And then terminus hair is like thick, dark hair or whatever color your, your hair is. Like that's the hair you want to get to. And so um, they also grow in two different ways. So when you have vellus hair, uh, it'll only get longer if you don't have certain chemicals going into your body. And when you have terminus hair, it needs those chemicals in order for it to grow longer. So it's chemically a lot more complicated of a process. You want balms help with uh, and oils help with the itchiness and other things like that, um, with making it look good. Um, I think for like the number one thing that people love about our stuff is um, like for for Catholic moms especially, like that smell of chrism not only on their husband but also. Mm -hmm when they get their kids back from their husband, like is always named as like number one thing that they love. They're like, Oh, did your child get baptized recently? They're like, no. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so those are a couple of the things um, I would say, but you know, the, obviously like we, we have a lot of jokes around our, our brand around um, like, you know, beards make you manly and other stuff like that. And, and I would say beard culture overall, it actually can kind of be a toxic place. Um, it like secularly, um, we, every November, run a men's spirituality thing. It's happening right now um, called the Nazarite Challenge. And the goal is like 30 days to grow in hairiness and holiness. Um, and so um, we, we reflect on the experience of the, the, like, um, the Nazarites traditionalists like Samson and other people in scripture. Um, they take on five commitments that parallel the commitments that the Nazarite took, which is like daily prayer, entering into community, sharing the faith, growing a beard, uh, and avoiding uh, sin, which would be analogous to death. Um, but like we've got 300 guys signed up this year. It's a free program. Um, wow. uh, we have like daily reflections for them when we post them in a, in a special set aside, like Facebook group every day, but they also get emailed out printouts and daily reflection questions this year. We're focusing on creating a rule of life and what it means to be brothers, because we think there's a deficit of, of, uh, fraternity in the par in parishes and in the church right now that oftentimes, uh, leads to a failure of having enough fraternity, um, right now, like men can't learn to be brothers. How do they learn to be fathers? Um, and so that's what we're reflecting on for 30 days. And, you know, during our calls or during the daily prayer reflections, like you'll watch it, like hit guys, like they'll like say like, all right, I started typing this 
and it wasn't true and not. So like, here's what I actually think. And here's why I'm actually at with this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the level of vulnerability we'll see in that group and the amount of life change is transformative. And it starts with like the concept of like, let's all be manly and grow a beard, but it's really not doing the interior work. Um, that's actually the important thing. Um, but like, yeah, order some beard mom, like, <laughs> uh, and give him that. Um, it's great for mustaches. We also do have a mustache wax, but usually that's like an advanced maneuver when you want to like get these. these uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're we're just we work past the patchiness, and then it's time for the shaving, and then it's all gone. So yeah. it, it's like four weeks of just like scruff. Yeah, I would say the the beard oil is like if somebody's going to dive in, uh, our beard oils are the place I would start. Here's here's why. Um, so if it, if you if it helps your husband. That's great, right? Uh, but it's an oil, which some people will just use it for like sacramental blessings with their children um, or other things like that because it, it smells like chrism. We have two other ones, one for each of the, the sacramental oils, but the other two aromas are just made up because those two oils don't smell like anything. Um, but also, it make, it's great for like hair tips. So if you get like split ends, it's a good hair oil. Or you can mix it um, with water, shake it up, put it in a spritzer and use it um, like a hot oil um, if you want to also. So there's other ways if you get the beard oil, you could potentially use it for something for yourself at the end of November also too, uh, or for the family. Love it. Oh, this has been so much fun, Tony. This is yes, yeah, a fun conversation. And I love this topic of entrepreneurship. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you mind leading us out in prayer? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so is there anything specific you guys want us to pray for besides the people who are out there uh, right now? Anything yeah. to toss up? Is that good? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you're feeling. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the ability to join with uh, Caitlin and Diana uh, to talk about um, all all the things uh, that you've you've blessed me with. God, I know that lots of times I tend to think about all the good things I get to do is just luck, uh, but the reality is, Lord, they're a gift from you, uh, and I accept that and I thank you for that, and I ask you to continue to magnify that gift in my life, that blessing in my life, um, not for me, but so that I can pour it out on my wife, my children, um, and others. I ask the same blessing for Caitlin and Diana. And I think about uh, the beauty of the fact that the ministry that they, they lead is named Compass. Now, Lord, so often, I think, especially in today's world, uh, Catholics out there feel lost. They feel unaware. They feel like they don't know where they're supposed to go or how they're supposed to get there, and they just need uh, direction, Lord. And I know that you're continually showing us that path, uh, but sometimes we don't have the tools that we need to navigate it, Lord. So for those who are out there who are who are listening right now, who are watching right now, we just ask that you would give them a sense of direction and purpose, even if that's just a sense of peace and consolation that you do hold them and you do see them, and that you are guiding them. Lord, we know that that's enough. We just ask you to let that sustain us. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you.